Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Study Break. My name is Melody, and today I am here with teen author Ariana. Hi, you guys. <laughs> I'm very nervous in case you can't tell. <laughs> you can go ahead and introduce yourself and a little bit about what you do. Okay, um, so as Melody said, my name is Ariana Tosado. Um, I'm 18 years old now, but when um, I was 17 years old, I was able to self-publish my first or my debut novel, Our Mistaken Identity on Amazon. And this year, actually, just a few days ago, I was able to publish the second book in the series, The Hunter in the Room. And uh, since then, I've just been navigating my way through online college because COVID, yay, <laughs> and uh, doing whatever I can to keep my head above water, as I'm sure all of us are these days. Yeah, and I'm so excited to have you on because, you know, writing in general, it is one of <laughs> my weakest points. Like, I swear I cannot write for any situation, like even essays. I have such a hard time just thinking about the right vocabulary to use, the right grammatical structures. Oh, yeah. No, that is such a big problem, actually. Writing in English, like the essays, I cannot write nonfiction for the life of me, but there's something about fiction. It just, it flows, it, it goes, and it's so much easier. I feel like it's just that genre for me or something. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a name for your series right now? Yeah, so I'm just going to call it um, the name of the main character. I'm going to call it kind of like a, the Harry Potter series, the Emily Natera series. Ooh. Yeah, so with the series, would you consider this more as like a fantasy fiction? Yeah, so contemporary fantasy. So it's basically um, the only thing incredibly dramatically fictitious about it is people being able to have magic in this world. But other than that, it's all set in modern day. It's like our world just if people had magic. Oh, that's very cool. I wish that was... <laughs> reality. <laughs> With your book series, would you mind giving like a quick synopsis of who the characters are and just the overall plot? We'll start with book one and of course we'll try not to give spoilers. <laughs> I will do my best. I always go off on tangents when explaining this because it's like there's so much to it and I don't know how to fit it all into one paragraph. But um, okay, so it's the series first book is about this girl you you're introduced to the main character her name is Emmeline and nobody knows this but she is a sorceress and the reason why nobody can know that is because in this world there's like a heavy debate worldwide it's kind of split in half mortal versus magic and mortals are trying to get rid of magic for one reason or the other they just hate people of magic so nobody can know that Emma's a sorceress not only that, but she also comes from one of the most powerful families of sorcerers, uh, the Atera family, very famous, very well-known, and her father and aunt have had to go into hiding for like her entire life. Um, nobody even knows if her father is alive. She's never met her dad, and her dad probably, if he's alive, doesn't know he has a daughter because he had to go into hiding before um, her mother even found out that she was pregnant with her in the first place. So it's, it's kind of sad because it's like one day you find out your father's dead, never even knew you. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. That's, wow, that's, that's very deep already. Eh? Like, I 
I find that so interesting. Thank you. That's like, that's maybe a third of it. But uh, yeah, so basically you have these people hired by the government. They're paid by the government to eradicate the, basically commit genocide toward people of magic. Um, They're called hunters. There are three classes of it. And all throughout the world, you have these schools that, boarding schools that teach people, their students how to become hunters. And to keep her covered, to make sure that the world never finds out that she's a person of magic, Emma and her mom go to the Callistro Academy, one of these hunter schools. And she's going there with her two best friends that she's known since childhood. Um, they don't know she has magic. So it's like a very, very tight group. So yeah, now she's going to this hunter school and she has to make sure that nobody finds out until one day she finds out that she's being hunted by one of the greatest hunters in the country named Alexa Delphine and William Blue. They're a married couple and they lead a pack of grand hunters. And now she's being hunted and has to figure out how do I keep my life basically. Wow. Oh my God. I love that. That sounds, it sounds like something like that can be made into a movie too. Like I, as my mom says, I'm like, do I want a series or a movie? I would be fine with either. (laughs) Both. Both. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, maybe actually we can do a (laughs) spinoff. Yes. So what inspired you to create these characters? I mean, Emmeline, she sounds like she has like so many layers to her. She sounds like someone who's definitely going to go through a lot of character development in the future, probably. Oh, yeah. Tons. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is there, like, maybe a certain person in your life that you, like, based her off of? Or is this, like, strictly your imagination? Um, a little bit of both. She's Emma is basically, she starts off as, as vain as it may sound. She starts off as me. And as the book progresses, she becomes the person I, I would like to be. It's so weird because I feel like I have a real relationship with her. We have the same birthday. We have roughly the same appearance. Um, But personality-wise, I don't know. It's like we're so similar but so different at the same time. And I think that's what makes her Emmeline. Like how in those ways that she is so different from me. But her being similar to me is what makes us feel so close and so connected. Um, other characters, her mom was based off of the mom in my favorite book series by Allie Carter, which inspired my series, um, the, Gall- the Gallagher Girls. Uh, her mom, uh, main character in the Gallagher Girls, Cammie, her mom was just amazing. And I looked up to her. I wanted her as my mom. So Emma's mom, based off of that and a little bit off of my own mother. I don't know. She has like her group and her circle of friends. Honestly, I think personality wise is so diverse. Um, and they all have a little something based off of everything, everybody that I know in my own life. Um, her best friend, Sarah, based off of my best friend, Sarah, her best friend, Brienne, kind of just a combination of all of the, the smart girls, smart yet strong and independent girls I've seen throughout movies and TV shows, I guess, kind of somebody to look up to young girls to look up to. I'm sure it's so difficult trying to like combine all these different personas together to formulate a single character, you know, that's, it's tough. And I really respect you doing that. And just, I just like admire 
your imagination you know the the way that you create all these characters and the plot too like that is wow <laughs> thank you so much can you see how red i am right now i actually can't so. <laughs> okay great yeah well it's funny that you say that because I really hope they come off as diverse personalities toward the reader because as I write them, they feel that way. They feel so real to me. And it's like their dialogue is the is my favorite part to write because I barely have to think about it. Like what would Brienne say in this case? That is such a like that is such a Sarah thing to say. That Emma would probably it's funny because I actually have the most trouble writing Emma's dialogue. I'm like, <laughs> what would she say in this? Mm-hmm. I know off the top of my head, I know what her main love interest would say. I know what her best friends would say, her her mom and um, a really important figure in her life, Mr. Dawson. He's her godfather. It's like all of them have a distinct personality. But Emma, because she's kind of straddling her own character versus a little bit of myself, I'm like, what would she say versus what would I say? It's kind of like I have to find the middle ground for that. It's not easy. Definitely. I mean, sometimes it's a struggle just like for ourselves to even like say the right things, you know, like. That was so deep. Thank you. I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I'm sure it's super difficult because the character development, like, once again, it's going to like create different dialogue throughout the entire book so like in the beginning she acts a certain way but like towards the end she acts like a complete different person you know that's a lot more enlightened I guess that's the right word yeah I'm I really love seeing how she develops as the the story progresses throughout the series i I'm on book five right now, and the the overall tone and atmosphere is just a lot has happened. She's literally been traumatized at this point, and I've honestly fallen in love. Again, I'm not trying to sound vain, but I have fallen in love with how mature and how grown up she is by the fifth book. And it's like I feel like the the further the series goes, I feel like she's definitely more of her own person, and like we've grown up together a little bit in that sense like as I grow and navigate my way through adult life Emma's going through the same thing and she's navigating what I'm navigating in real life and that's what that's what makes it a lot of fun yeah I mean it sounds like you and the character that you wrote you've actually like formed a connection to it which I think is very intriguing because (laughs) <laughs> we usually associate like the characters as like something that the author just like completely like randomly created yeah. and we don't really associate how they connect themselves with that character so i think it's i think it's really cool to just see that new perspective thank you yeah i i actually just read a passage from one of my fellow authors today i, I told her like this sounds like a real person is writing their experiences. You kind of forget that an author was behind it. Um, and I think that that's a pretty tricky thing to do, but I'm biased. So I cannot say <laughs> like, see, this sounds like it's an actual journal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I think you brought up a really good point because oftentimes we do forget that people are actually behind it. Like, we mm-hmm. don't even know what truly is behind it, but we just know, like, oh, it's, it's not people. It's just, you know, our imagination. It's our brain reading this and comprehending yeah. this. 
yeah. it's really weird how that happens. But yeah, that's, that's a great point. It's so cool how that does happen too. I mean, one of my, um, my early, one of my friends read the book when it first came out. And as soon as he read that we had the same birthday, he's like, Ariana is Emmeline. No, like a hundred percent. And uh, so he got it pretty quickly. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think that's what made the story feel a little bit more real to him, especially he said that he really liked reading the book, the narrative in my voice. And it was just, it was an easy thing to do, which that's a huge compliment because I feel like Emmeline, although obviously she has her flaws, she's still probably a better person <laughs> than I am. I love her so much. <laughs> I feel like she's my daughter, she's my sister, she's my best friend, but she's also like not my best. It's it's weird. Okay. Complicated relationship. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's complicated check on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> what prompted you to become a teen author? Why did you want to write this book so early on in your life? And I really wish that had like a simple answer. Maybe I'm just overcomplicating it, but it's like I've been writing what feels to be my entire life. And I've just known from a very early age, like I want my writing in a printed book. I want it on the bookshelf someday. So I started chasing this dream fairly young um, at around age 11 when I first found the Gallagher Girls. Like I said, they're what inspired the entire thing. It all started as me wanting to write my own version of the story just to like really set my imagination free, especially because those books contained a lot of things that an 11-year-old's mind was not mature enough to understand. So I just combined two passions to create a a passion project at first. But then as I started writing that first book, I'm like, you know what? It would be really cool if this could get on the shelf. And uh, two rewrites later, it's just like our mistaken identity came to fruition, if you will, when I was, uh, when I was the age I was. I started writing before I was about to turn 16. And it was finally ready a couple months after I turned 17. <laughs> So it's basically kind of been there in the back of my mind in developing for six years. So I don't know. It's like, I also, this is going to sound terrible, but I've always felt like, I've always felt the pressure to do something great when you're young because your age is what's going to stand, stand out to a lot of people. And that's, what's going to separate you from the competition. So uh, that was kind of like my biggest fear while growing up like I got to do this right now otherwise I will never be noticed I will never be good enough um, but then it sort of became like I know that there's a calling on my life to write to do something with my writing and when our mistaken identity came about it's like all my fears relaxed there was a kind of peace and I'm like this is it it doesn't matter what age I am it doesn't matter if success comes overnight or throughout the span of five years this is it I know that OMI is is it and I yeah I feel like it it all just happened to happen when I was this age but like I said as long as it made its way makes its way out into the world that's that's basically all I can say about it it doesn't really matter what age I am as long as it makes its way mm -hmm. yeah I, I think you I think you nailed it with that I mean definitely now like in you know 2020 the competition is crazy and mm -hmm. I'm sure everyone's doing their best to like stand out and 
to give themselves essentially like a platform because we all want to like create some sort of change in this world. So many teens and even like kids now, yeah. they're all trying to, you know, be TikTok famous or yeah. just yeah, be an influencer, anything that gives them a platform and makes them stand out. Uh, I think it's also very interesting how you combined both your passion and this essentially like a driving force from that pressure to publish your book because it it usually takes like a lot of time and even like confidence like you have to have the right mentality to do this and you know the fact that you actually like pursued it and you're doing great at it too it's amazing yeah thank you very much (laughs) I just wanted to ask like when you're writing these books do you ever feel an emotional connection to it like in general like not necessarily with the characters but including the whole plot and just everything about it. A hundred percent honesty. That is literally why I started writing OMI in the first place. Like the whole spy series thing didn't work out because I knew it was going to end in like a really big lawsuit if I went through with that. Um, So it was partially based off of that book series, but then it was also based off of this TV show my family got addicted to. um, And I used that to combine the ideas and create something a lot more original. Um, But I also realized that the plot was a really great premise to connect all of these issues we have in the real world today. Um, It's like, I want to make as many parallels as I can while still sticking to like one main idea. So not to confuse the reader or overwhelm them or anything. The, The plot and the message of the entire series is so close to my heart and I'm doing everything I can to like make it really explicit and to just shine through the words. Uh, I, yeah, I definitely feel that, that connection. It means a lot to me. And that's kind of like, like I said, why I felt that OMI was it. Like my search was over and I just had to run with this and take a leap of faith on it. Yeah. You were just like, nope we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> no one can stop me now. <laughs> yeah, nobody can stop me now. <laughs> was it a challenge for you to make those real life connections with everything that's happening in your book? Not really. The challenging part is making the parallels obvious. Like you can obviously have this one problem in a book like um, somebody's uh, terrible example but say somebody's discriminating against somebody of magic in the book it's like that's a problem in in the series but it's like nobody has magic in the real world so it's not like we can say oh yeah just like how people discriminate against magic in the real world because that's not real yeah but you could make that um like i said it's just making that parallel evident to what does happen you know discrimination against even age race ethnicity gender uh just like kind of like that. So I really feel like it is the author's job to bend words in a way that make it make the main theme and message clear to the reader so that they can connect it and not have them do so much work. Because if you're trying to get a really good message out there and you want to make a difference, you can't expect your audience to do all the work in trying to interpret it and then try to play that out in the real world. It's like really present it to them 
and you have to inspire that change instead of making them work for it instead. I never realized how real fiction was, or like, at least for me, whenever I associate a book and classify it as a fictional book, I immediately think, oh, this is just like some easy, chill read. I I don't have to think that much about it. But Yeah. yeah, that that like just like changed my whole perspective in general. It is funny that you say that because, you know, in my journey of trying to make those messages and parallels so evident to the reader, I got back into reading once I got my Kindle because I started having more time to read. It was more convenient. And I started reading these fictional books and now I'm just, I'm starting to see those parallels myself. I'm not sure if the author did it on purpose, but I'm still seeing, being able to make those connections. So I love writing for that reason. I'm practicing a lot of skills subconsciously and um, integrating that into the real world. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Now I understand why teachers are like, you have to keep on reading and reading and reading. Like, I think it does improve your overall skill on articulating everything that's happening in the world. You know, like not that. only in your book not only in literature, but literally real life situations, like you're going to have to use it to Mm -hmm. analyze the ambiguity of everything. Look at you breaking out those vocab words. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I just had an essay like a few days ago. So understandable. Yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Definitely like how you said that. It's like finding all these connections to make one of my favorite things in the literature world um these connections Mm -hmm. so much fun (laughs) yeah it's oh my god and like the best thing is when you're finishing up a series and you realize how everything connects with each other at the end it all comes together (laughs) yes that's so satisfying like you're just like I feel completed (laughs) well that's kind of like my problem with my own because like I said I traumatized Emma by the end of the fourth book so by the fifth book she's feeling the the after effects and I'm like that was so much fun to do I don't know if I want the series to have like a completely happy ending I might do um, a novella where it's like a mini mini novel and have an alternate ending where it's like everything the world basically crashes and burns oh my gosh like like a secret all writers are sadists okay no (laughs) you can lie to yourself you're secretly a sadist if you're an author oh my god well okay if you're a fictional author you're a sadist as much as you try to deny it to yourself but um we really want to see these these worlds that we create, we want to see them burn in front of our eyes. And we want to be able to like see our readers pain from reading that because they develop an emotional connection. So that's kind of like where I'm at right now. I actually debated killing off her main love interest. And when I posted that to my close friend's story, they were all for it. And I'm like, you guys are more evil than I am. How could you do that? Like, I'm so in love with the main love interest. I would never kill him. (laughs) Oh, my God. That'd be like um, the Divergent series, right? I've that, actually. Oh, well, yeah. Actually, I've never read it either. But I watched the movie and I read the summaries. (laughs) (laughs) Close enough. (laughs) Yeah, close enough. I'm going to get so much hate for this. (laughs) I like read, I read so many summaries and like 
the plots and watch so many videos about books plots but I never actually read the book itself and I don't know why I just can't ever seem to motivate myself to read but you know I relate to that actually <laughs> I like to one of my favorite things to do is to like go to the Dollar Tree or Costco pick up a cover or pick up a novel with a uh, a really nice cover and read the synopsis and then I like to read how it begins to kind of give myself like that idea how, okay how did this published author start their book maybe I can try to integrate it into my own and then I'll get past like the first one or two pages set it down and move on to the next one <laughs> yeah the it. beginning is always so hard to get through because you're just like I don't understand anything that's happening and this mm -hmm. is just there's too many words on this page right now <laughs> That's what I was really scared of. In the first chapter, there's a lot of what we call info dumping, which I had no idea what that was when I first wrote it. But like I said, there's so much in this book and I already had to like eloquently weave everything else throughout the first, like the first chapter was originally, I think 22 pages long or 20 pages long. And I had to cut that in half, obviously. Uh, to kind of like give the reader motivation. You're at the end of the first chapter. Now get to the second. I am scared. But at this point, you know, it's like it's published. They're already in the paragraphs. The formatting is so delicate that I have to keep it exactly where it's at. So at this point, I'm literally praying. Just give it a chance. Get past the first chapter. And I swear you'll be able to take off. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Was it a challenge to stay motivated while writing your books? I know that there were very challenging scenes to write. And so I know this one scene took me two straight weeks to get through. But I, I don't really think motivation was ever a problem. I always knew it's like my motivation to get this thing on the market was always there. It never, how do you pronounce it? Deter, deterred something. It never faded away. Um, yeah, there were just really challenging scenes that kind of felt like my brain was quite literally hitting a brick wall. Every time I tried to move forward, it just wouldn't happen. But all, I was always motivated. That's the funny thing, which is funny because I'm a person who runs out of motivation like way too quickly. But... <laughs> writing the books there's something different about it yeah it's it's your passion so you're just full-fledged motivation like I'm just gonna do it and once again no one can stop me exactly <laughs> not even my brain <laughs> we're just gonna go straight for it that's actually that's true that's a, that's a good motivational quote you should write a motivational quote <laughs> <laughs> no one can stop me that's, that's the quote no, nobody can stop me not even my brain <laughs> call me Shakespeare <laughs> <laughs> were there any other challenges that you faced while writing your book the main challenge was writing a 300 page novel during my most difficult year of high school so I started writing it July summer <laughs> yeah you know what I'm talking about <laughs> I feel um, you <laughs> yeah so I started writing it um 
in July, beginning of July of 2018. And it was finished early. I checked it. It was not March. It was actually early February or mid-February of 2019. Uh, So second semester. uh, Let's see. First semester of junior year was, it was pretty difficult because, you know, I'm trying to, I took almost all APs and honors that year. So I was trying to figure out how to jump from taking mainstream classes my whole life to adjusting to a new workload, a new schedule, um, new teachers, everything. Um, Unfortunately for me, my passions for writing and creating override my passion for school because I do like, I really like school. (laughs) Yeah, like I guess kind of trying to overcome that guilt of like you need to do this schoolwork, you need to do your homework it was always overridden by I can do it tomorrow during study hall let's write chapter 13 and it was that was a lot but I think the main problem was second semester because once I finished that was the green light for me to just run with it to get everything done we can have this thing published within the next month that did not happen second semester was very tough definitely heavy especially because for me to have graduated early like I wanted to I had to take on two extra classes on top of the six that I already had and now I was revising and editing a book which um I started writing after a break from writing so it's like I feel like I kind of retrogressed in that time that I was not writing to focus on new schools and homework and whatnot and the quality of writing was so bad. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> it's funny. I can um I can read terrible writing, but I cannot like seem to avoid it when I go to write it. I'll write it and I'm like, that's good, but then I'll read it back. That's a I'm sure everybody goes through that. Um, <laughs> Every time when I write an essay. <laughs> exactly. So I think revising and editing was actually three times more difficult than writing it. So it sucks that it landed in that second semester when I was just like so busy with everything. And even, like I said, revision wasn't done until end of October, early, early November of last year. Oh my gondola. I just realized exactly one year ago today was published on November 4th, 2019. (gasps) Oh my God. Happy one year anniversary. I can't believe I forgot that. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Thank you. Oh my god. That's Congratulations. Like Thank you. That's like the highlight of this entire podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this entire episode. <laughs> okay, oh now god. I gotta post it on my story. Yeah, you you have to. That's oh my god. Congratulations. One year. Thank you. Thank yes. You. That's, that's insane to me. A lot, <laughs> a lot has happened in one year. Yeah, I know, right? And now your second book. That's it's snuck up on me. <laughs> You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Forget what we were talking about before. Like we got to the birthday thing. That's what's most important. Next question. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, well, since we're on uh the topic of having your book published exactly one year ago on November 4th. <laughs> How do you actually get your book published? Like, especially as a teen. Like, I feel like a lot of people are just like, teens can't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) Rolling my Um, eyes right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, man, I I think I was, 
I still kind of am. I'm way too scared to actually go with a traditional publishing route, which if, uh, if you do want to go that route, get a literary agent first. Uh, it's, from what I understand, it's their job to propose your manuscript to different publishing houses, and then they kind of make a bid, an offer on it to purchase your manuscript, and then they make it into the book. Like I said, that costs a lot of money money that I do not have and I'm still too scared. I'm kind of trying to work up the courage. But if you want to like if you know that this is your dream, this is what you're meant to do, you want to get it done, go the self-publishing route. There's nothing wrong with it and who knows, you may actually pick up a publisher on your journey there. Um find any self-publishing company, make sure to research them on the Better Business Bureau to make sure you they're not scanning scamming you. <laughs> mm-hmm. They will basically tell you everything to do from there. The only thing you have yeah. to do is find a, find a company, try to find, um, yeah, it's, it's self-publishing comes with a lot, a lot of work because with traditional publishing, you have this team of people who are hired and paid to do the cover and formatting and editing and revising and, and publicizing and everything. And that all becomes your job when you self-publish. But to me, it's provided me an experience that I'm so grateful for. It's taught me what hard work and dedication really mean i'm grateful for everything i've learned in the self-publishing route and maybe once i'm done with it like i said we could go to a traditional publisher soon yeah good luck to you i hope everything goes well after you published your book were there like outside opportunities that kind of like opened up so in december of last year when it was published my high school did something called a Make-A-Wish Rally, which is where kids got to like write down their Christmas wishes on a star, and the, uh, the leadership group uh, of that school would put on this huge rally uh, sometime of next year because it was about to be winter break, and they would publicly grant these wishes at the rally. So... I was like, man, what do I, what do I do? How do I, like, what am I supposed to wish for? Cause I could do anything I want within reason. And then it just like, it hit me like, like a, a brick door or something. <laughs> Ask to announce your book to the entire school. So that rally happened on February 14th of this year. And I got to go to my high school, uh, announce my book to the entire school. I got to sign it. And somebody else, conveniently enough, had asked for a book in their wish. So I got to give my first signed copy away to one of my classmates. A little less than a month after that, the yearbook club messaged me on Instagram and asked if I would come in for an interview. And they would give me a full page ad in the yearbook this year. So that was a that was a pretty cool thing too. And on top of that, they ended up I did not know they were going to do this, but me and one of my choir mates, Alyssa, we wrote this going away song because we were both seniors and we were like time to go, let's write a, a memorial song <laughs> for high school. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh we got to perform that at our choir concert in the fall. And yearbook ended up taking the lyrics of that song and putting it um, underneath the senior panoramic at the end of the yearbook. And I, I didn't know that they were going to do that. <laughs> oh my so. God. That's awesome. And um, you've asked me to come on so graciously and kindly asked me to come on your podcast. <laughs> I consider that an outside opportunity. Thank you. Oh, 
Oh my God, that's so sweet. I feel so honored. I feel honored. Are you kidding? Like I, I immediately, I got the DM and I ran to my mom who was sitting in the living room and I'm like, this girl just asked me to be on a podcast. Oh my God, no way. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> That's so awesome. Oh my God. Thank you. <laughs> that just like made my entire day. Oh my oh gosh. Thank you. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm like speechless right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> Let me just flip the, the topic over to you. So what inspired you to make this podcast? <laughs> well, thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> what, was that a serious question? <laughs> if you want to, if you want to answer. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, um, definitely. It's also been on my mind for like a very long time because I love talking. I love talking <laughs> to other people, learning about their yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah, I talk nonstop. I'm like this all the time. <laughs> me too. Me too. You, you see, you hear me. Yes, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this, this is why this podcast is going so well so far. Exactly. Yes. That's so awesome that you found an outlet like that. Like you, mm -hmm. like you've just found a way to utilize one of your best skills so effectively. Thank you. Oh my God. That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Like, especially during quarantine, like I find it so ironic how I was going to start this podcast anyways this year, mm -hmm. but the fact that quarantine came through and I was like, this gives me so much more time to just like yeah. explore what I really want to do with this podcast and to find a lot more guests. So I really had that opportunity to interview as many guests as I want. Yeah. And it allowed me to talk to so many cool people. And yeah, I just I've been, like, I've been stalking your page. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but how do you like it so far? <laughs> oh my goodness. I actually, it's like, so it's so weird not in a bad way but it's like as you and your guests are talking it really feels like I'm in the middle of that conversation and Aww. I before I know it I'm already smiling sometimes I'm laughing and sometimes I'm just nobody's around me but I'm like nodding my head and being like yeah that is so true <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, man, you go girl you you do you that's Thank great you that is my goal. Like, I just, I just hope whoever's listening, you know, they can feel less lonely because I know these are all uncertain times. You know, this is hopefully a way to just get rid of some anxiety and just to learn other people's stories because it's cool, yeah. you know. It's great. Yeah. It's a perfect way, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, that actually makes me so happy that <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> um, back to the outline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we back to back to serious business. Okay. <laughs> um. So one last question before we end this episode: What is one advice you would give to anyone who's also thinking about publishing their own work? If you put me in front of a group of of kids like me trying to to uh, publish a book or like to get their writing out there somehow in some way. I wish somebody was there to tell me this, but um, don't give up if you're already writing it, if you already have this idea, if you're so in love with the idea enough to where you've started working on it and you really think that you can, you can get somewhere with it, anywhere at all. It doesn't have to be, you know, on the New York Times bestseller list. It can be in your local newspaper. Just seriously, don't give up because the step you're on right now, even if you feel like you're exactly where you were last year, 
it's still a step that's going to take you forward. Like when you do make it to where you want to be, you're going to look back and you're going to realize where I was then was a step forward is what pushed me forward. Mm-hmm. So it's like three, I've actually come to find out this year what don't give up really means. And it is really hard. <laughs> it's, um, it's something so difficult to overcome, but it's that much more important to, to follow it. Seriously, don't give up because you're, you have to climb, you have to overcome that one hill when it's most difficult. And then you're going to realize like, that's what don't give up means. And that's why I shouldn't give up ever again. (laughs) That sounds kind of cheesy. I'm sorry. but It's such an important message because I feel like now Gen Z, we are a very strong generation, but then also at the same time, we can also be very lazy. (laughs) And (laughs) right. And it's like, There's certain things where if you know you're passionate about it and you're so driven by it, but you're scared and you feel vulnerable at these like certain aspects, like being judged or just feeling like you're not doing good enough. Like those are factors that make you feel like, oh, okay, this is time. Like I should just let go of my true passions, but it's like, you shouldn't feel that way. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's hard easier said than done but once you like what ariana said once you made that realization and once you actually get over that hill you will see the importance of persistence and dedication yeah i think that was that was worded very nicely thank you (laughs) is there anything else you'd like to add I don't know. I just like, I just really like talking about books. <laughs> yeah. Like, this... what, um, in all honesty, like I said, all writers are sadists. So I just really like talking about how I torture my characters. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh talking about how like, so in book three, um, Emma's basically is hospitalized because she has three broken ribs from the main villain beating her up to death. <laughs> like something oh my like God. <laughs> Yeah. So we should probably end before <laughs> I give like any of the rules. Violent. Yeah. <laughs> before we have to mark this as an explicit episode. Mm. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, <laughs> <laughs> critics have not reviewed this yet <laughs> or rated this yet. <laughs> not rated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well, Ariana, do you want to plug your social media? Where can the audience find you and your books? All right. So if you would like to follow me, it's terrible, but I only have one social media outlet. It's on Instagram at ariana.tosado. Um, if you'd like to buy Our Mistaken Identity, that is available on amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, or Google Books. If you would like to buy The Hunter in the Room, second book in the series. As far as I know, that is only available on Amazon right now. Go ahead and give it a Google search. You can always find it there and make sure to check out Ariana. She's super cool. I love this conversation. This is <laughs> This has been awesome. Yes, it has been. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes, of course. And so with that, make sure to follow Study Break's Instagram at the Study Break Podcast for trailers before the episodes come out. Also, make sure to tune into your favorite podcast app, follow Study Break, and listen to a new episode every Tuesday. Thank you all so much for listening and have a great day. Bye. Bye.